I'll be reading from Acts chapter 26, verses 27 through 29. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know and <clears throat> that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, It is in a short time, would you per persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who are here in with here with me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. If you could stand before one of the most supreme rulers in the land and, and argue the case for Christianity, what would you say? Where would you go and, and what lines of reasoning and, and arguments from logic would you use? Paul, in Acts chapter 26, our text for this evening, if you open up your Bibles there, had this chance as he stood before Felix and Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, and, and his plea was so powerful and eloquent that it seems that it was perhaps almost persuasive enough, as some translations re render it, almost you persuade me to become a Christian, to convince King Agrippa himself. Perhaps as uh, Brother Bud James asked me uh, before we began this evening, if if uh, because the title of the sermon is why you should become a Christian, if you're already a Christian, can you leave? I, I replied with, uh, no, but you can fall asleep. Um, <laughs> you might be wondering, well, what's the, what's the reasoning for this sermon? What, what, what is the purpose for us spending time suggesting why an individual should become a Christian when the majority of us here are Christians? Um, there's a variety of, of very good reasons, but I, I want to begin with this. We're, it, it seems to me that we're really rather good at telling people how to become a Christian, but maybe it is the case that sometimes we're lacking in our proficiency as to telling why people should become, uh, telling people why they should become Christians. We want to give tonight a solid reason for why a person should become and consider becoming a Christian, but not only that, to show people also that picking up their cross and following Jesus is truly worth it. That it is, if you are to weigh the cost and, and to compare uh, the risks versus the reward, if you will, that, that truly it is an endeavor worth pursuing. But then also as we think about 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 15, in a book that was written to Christians in the midst of suffering, that they were maybe wondering, should we continue on with, with this particular endeavor as we, as we strive to be Christians? Peter said, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is within you in meekness and fear. And Peter's point here isn't so much that, that you could give maybe so much of a uh, of an apologetics approach type of, of answer that you could maybe give 
X, Y, and Z of these evidences and maybe from science or, or from history as maybe we looked at a couple of weeks ago on why is the, is the Bible trustworthy? Can I trust my Bible? But this evening as we think about this, I want us to especially give credence to and especially notice the idea of, of giving someone a reason. The, the translation I just read a moment ago said always be ready to give a defense or, or maybe just a reason for the hope the hope that exists within you because of the fact that you have Christ. Because of the fact that, that Christ has offered Himself on your behalf. And so this evening, I want us to consider six different reasons why, as we live in this particularly progressive society, as, as people maybe stray away from following Christ, and, and we live in a world where, where Christianity may not be, uh, in, for all t- intents and purposes, the most prominent of of uh, paths to follow. And I want us to consider what, what is it about Christ and what is it about His way of living and, and, and following Christianity at large? What is it about that that ought to persuade us, that ought to convince us that it is the true way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 14 and verse number 6. So let's examine a handful of, of reasons. First, consider that Christianity is, is something that is worthy to be followed, why you should become a Christian is because of the beauty that you see within it. The beauty that you see within Christianity. I've made mention of this particular idea before. I, I, I read this idea from, from a different author in times past. And the, the point is this, that it, if you were to compare the ideas of, of various religions of the world to uh, maybe some that maybe suggest that in order to appease the wrath of, of a God, that, that in order to appease the anger, that, that you would have to offer yourself as, a, as an actual sacrifice on an altar to appease that God's wrath, to, to maybe justify or to, to be able to be in the right and good graces with them once again. But in the case of Christianity, in the case of the gospel of Jesus Christ, What you have is a picture of the God of heaven, the God of the universe, who in the circumstances that he he witnessed and observed in in the world around us, he saw sin enter into the world. And because sin entered into the world, a penalty had to be paid. A price had to be paid for that sin. And because a price had to be paid for that sin, there was only one true opportunity or one true sacrifice that could truly appease the wrath of God because all of us were at odds with God and none of us were perfect sacrifices. And Christianity is distinct in in this and that rather than expecting humans to appease God's wrath, God's justice demands a sufficient sacrifice that pays an equivalent penalty for man's sin. And the only sufficient sacrifice to appease his wrath and satisfy his requirements was Him, Himself. What a beautiful picture that we see that the only way that mankind could truly be reconciled to the God of heaven, that is, God Himself dying on our behalf in the person of Jesus Christ. Consider what Paul uh, does in, in Acts chapter number 26 and verses 22 and 23. 
When we think about what he does, there's so many things that he says through this section, but particularly notice that he points to this idea of Christ suffering and that it was planned by God as it was spoke about by the prophets. Verse 22, Therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I stand, witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. What I'm trying to do with our lesson this evening is to maybe encapsulate in our minds some sort of formula, some sort of go-to approach to why we might give a reason for the hope that is within us and why it is that we want to follow after Jesus. And one of the first things, one of the things we see Paul doing here is pointing to the beauty that lies within Christianity, that Jesus would suffer, that Jesus would would be the one to die in our stead. And he points to that. You think about the beauty as he spoke of the fact that it was spoken of by the prophets and Moses that this would come. The beauty that you see within Christianity is that it was planned even from the very foundation of the world before creation ever came about as you think about Acts chapter 2 verses 22 through 24 at the day of Pentecost in Peter's first gospel sermon or also in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 in that the, the plan for redemption of mankind was even from the very foundations of the world but then as you see in Genesis chapter number 3 once sin actually enters into the world immediately we see the first hint of the gospel in chapter 3 verse number 15 And that as we think about the fact, as Romans chapter 3 tells us, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that because of that sin there was need for a Savior, God offers life through Jesus Christ. And when we think about talking to our friends and neighbors about why they should become a Christian, we ought to hopefully first, at least at some point, turn them to the idea of the beauty that you see within Christianity. But consider next that you should consider becoming a Christian because of the ugliness that you see without Christianity. The ugliness that you see without Christianity. Look at verses 18 and 20 of Acts chapter 26. Let's begin at verse number 17 to to begin the the phrase that, that, that Paul is speaking here. I will deliver you from the Jewish people. This is Jesus speaking to Paul as well as from the Gentiles. To whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. But then also consider verse 20, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God and do works befitting righteousness. What I want us to consider, and when we're talking to our friends and neighbors about why they should become a Christian, is that they should consider becoming a Christian because of the ugliness that they see without Christianity. In many world religions and circles of philosophical thought, good ideas and sentiments to live by are discussed and practiced with varying degrees. The problem is often exhibited in the fact that those philosophers and, and religious leaders are they themselves flawed men. And as a result, they fail to live up to their own expectations and requirements. Only Christianity, though, has a leader in Christ Jesus that provides the ultimate standard, the ultimate rule, 
the ultimate guide by which its followers can live because Jesus was a perfect and a sinless man. And without a standard or a rule to live by, to measure against philosophers and religious leaders require of others that which they cannot themselves adhere to. Additionally, because of this subjectivity that is without a standard, society falls into the ugly reality of individuals only doing what is right in their own mind. Think about Judges chapter 21, verse number 25, that it was said that evil reigns when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. What was right in their own eyes. And as you think about the world religions and the leaders that exist among those, none of them stand up to be perfect as Jesus was perfect. Only Jesus, as we think about John chapter 1, verse number 17, that Moses brought the law, but Jesus brought grace and truth. Or also as we think about John chapter 17, verse number 17, that that Jesus' words are the truth. And as you think about this, that without Christianity, there is anarchy, there is lawlessness, there is no standard by by which people should live and could live. But with Jesus, with Christ, we have an answer to that ugliness. We have an answer to that anarchy that could exist without Him. And so we see that becoming a Christian recognizes the beauty that you see within Christianity, but also the ugliness that you see without Christianity. But consider third, that you should consider becoming a Christian because of the criticism that Christianity withstands. The criticism that Christianity withstands. Notice verses 9 through 11 of Acts chapter 26. Beginning of verse number 9, Paul says, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He's, he's recounting how he initially wanted Christianity to be thwarted. He said, I was trying to do all that I could to thwart it myself. This I also did in Jerusalem, verse number 10. And many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. But also notice verses 21 and 22. For these reasons the Jews seized me, after Paul had become a Christian, in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from both God, from God to this day, I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come. Think about the fact that Paul initially tried to thwart Christianity, and then once he became a Christian, he was trying to be thwarted by others. And as you think about the, the, the criticism that Christianity withstands, it's often alleged that Christianity has more problems than good, that, that it's not rooted in history or fact, or that it's consistent of fables and fairy tales. It's alleged that this holy book is archaic, antiquated, errant. The list of allegations could go on, but the reality is that Jesus Christ was indeed a historical figure in that His impact has lasted millennia and cannot be thwarted. It cannot be stamped out. It has lasted to this point and it will last into eternity. We spoke just a couple of weeks ago on the idea of can I trust my Bible that, that, that Christianity withstands the criticism of alleged contradictions. It withstands the criticism of, of scientific criticism, of literary criticism, of the criticism of its history. Criticism of its morality and ethics, but time and time again, 
The Bible withstands those criticisms. Not only should you consider becoming a Christian because of the beauty that you see within it and the ugliness that you see without it and the criticism that Christianity withstands, but consider, number four, that you should consider becoming a Christian because of the problems that Christianity withholds in your own life. The problems that Christianity withholds in your own life. Notice verse number 18 again. He says that, that Jesus is speaking to Paul saying that I'm going to send you out so that you may open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. As we're speaking to our friends, as we're speaking to our neighbors about why they should consider becoming a Christian, point them to the beauty that they see within Christianity. Point them to the problems that they have without Christianity. Point them to the criticism that Christianity withstands. And also point them to the fact that Christianity, when they engage in it and follow after it, withholds problems from their life. It withholds problems from their life. As was mentioned previously, because we have a standard and a rule in Christ Jesus, we have a pattern to follow and a life to emulate. Whereas a life of self-pleasing actions and selfish ambitions almost always results in heartache and difficulty, a life that follows Christ is aided in avoiding undue hardship and complications. It's not to say that you won't have difficulty, that you won't have heartache in this life, but it keeps you from undue heartache. It keeps you from complications that are unnecessary to exist in your life because you, through following Christ, are hope, hoping and hopeful of avoiding sin. From the avoidance of things like sexually transmitted diseases or broken homes to maintaining an honest reputation in your community and workplace, Christianity provides a way of life that withholds problems from your life from an individual's life that would be present otherwise because of sin. Think about the problems that Christianity withholds. Initially, God provided a perfect environment for Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 1 and 2. But sin entered into that realm and caused untold numbers of problems in their life. If you think about the fact that when, when we realize that Jesus our perfect standard, our perfect guide, lived the perfect life here on this earth, knows, understands, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, the temptation that we endure, that He has promised that we will endure persecution, but yet because, despite those things, when we avoid personal sin, when we realize that, that God provides a way of escape, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 13, that, that we have the opportunity, the ability to have certain difficulties withheld from our life because we're following Christ. And Jesus stands as that perfect sacrifice, that perfect example to imitate. 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 1, as Paul says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. And so realize plead with your neighbor to consider that if they were to follow Christ, that there, there would be many problems in their life that would be withheld from their life. But number five, consider that because of the, with, of the hope, I'm sorry, because of the dividing lines that Christianity withdraws, a person should consider becoming a, a Christian. Consider the dividing lines that Christianity withdraws or removes or destroys from this world Notice chapter 26, verse number 20. 
but declare it first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting righteousness. But also verse 23, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. You think about our theme for this year. As you enter into the foyer, as we keep hopefully pointing back to and thinking about what we're trying to accomplish in this world that's so divided, that we would point people to Christ and to His gospel, and that, the, that they would know that the gospel is truly for all. In Galatians chapter 3, as we've been studying from Galatians on Sunday morning, that there's no Jew nor Greek, no male nor female, no, no slave nor free, but all are one in Christ Jesus. That as people search for the solution to the problems of, of hatred and division and divisiveness and racism and all the things that are going on in this world, but that if they would just turn to Jesus and see that Christ and Christianity, if it's practiced in its truest form, in the way that Christ practiced His life, that the dividing lines of this world, Christianity withdraws those from existence from from existence among us and so realize that christianity should be appealed to should should be pointed to with our friends and neighbors not only because of the beauty that we see within the story of christ not only because of the problems that it that are eradicated not only because of the criticism that it withstands and the the problems that you have without it but also because of the dividing lines that christianity withdraws or removes destroys from existence but finally, consider, perhaps one of the most compelling of all, you should, be, should consider becoming a Christian because of the hope that comes with Christianity. The hope that comes with Christianity. Most anyone, religious, religious affiliation or predisposition aside, wants to be a part of something bigger than themselves. That's, that's the cliche phrase that so many people use. But in reality, Christianity provides a life of hope in which the person lives a life full of purpose, a life that is bigger than themselves, that is living for the cause of Christ, to bring glory to the Father. And while thousands, perhaps even millions over time, have lost their sense of hope in this life, some even turning to perhaps suicide over the ages because of a lack of purpose or perceived purpose or direction in this life, Christianity provides an ultimate purpose to bring glory to God, to bring glory to the God of the universe and appoint others to Him. Point your neighbors and friends to that hope, the hope of a purpose in this life. Help them understand that the hope that comes with Christianity is that it answers the problem of sin as we've already discussed, but also provides them a hope of a purpose in this life as we look to Ephesians chapter number 1, verses 4 through 14, in which several different times Paul lays out for the church at Ephesus that, that God planned out the salvation of man, as we alluded to earlier, from the very foundation of the world so that ultimately that we could be to the praise of His glory. The phrase is used there at least three times, maybe four. To the praise of His glory... That that's what our goal and our purpose and our aim is in this life. And that, that with Christianity, we have the hope of a purpose, but not only the hope of a purpose, the hope of a possibility beyond death. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-4. through 4. 
And this is only makes sense because Christ first resurrected and was and is the first fruits as you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As you think about the religious world and the, the things that are, exist in the world around us as far as th- those things that are taught religiously, that, that so often there, there, there are things that are pointed to that have to do with morality and ethics, but ultimately there is empty hope there because there's no one that has been resurrected never to die again. There's no one that, that leaves an empty tomb as Jesus leaves an empty tomb. And that's the, the, the most compelling, perhaps, thought about Christianity is that Jesus and his resurrection is the first fruits that points to our coming resurrection, as we spoke about this morning. That we're just but sleeping when we die, because ultimately we will be resurrected for an eternity. The empty tomb is paramount to the message of Christianity. Because as Paul says, without the resurrection, we above all men are the most to be pitied. So we have the hope. The hope of the the answer to the problem of sin. The hope of a purpose in this life. The hope of a possibility of life beyond this death. And finally, the hope in the destruction of evil and pain and suffering. Revelation chapter 21, verse number 4, God shall wipe away every tear from their eye. There's a promise of no more death, no more hurting, no more heartache, no more sorrow. That this world so much contains. That if we would just point people not only to the beauty of Christianity... Not only to the fact that Christianity withstands criticism and and the fact that it withholds problems from us, but that ultimately in eternity, we have hope because of Christ and His resurrection. There's no other more compelling idea or sentiment that is put forth than that of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And we ought to be able to give that answer to give that reason for the hope that is within us to those that might ask, are you able to do that this evening? Are you as a Christian prepared, if you had the opportunity to stand before one of the most powerful rulers, to give that reason, to give a logical reason defense for why it is that you follow after Christ? Chances are you won't have that, that opportunity but chances are you will have the opportunity every single day with your neighbors, with your family members, with your friends. Can you encapsulate the reason why they should follow Jesus? The reason why Christianity is the true way of life, as Jesus called it in John chapter 14, verse number 6. Maybe you're not a Christian this evening, and the things we've talked about this, this evening have pricked your heart. They have convinced you and, and made you think more about the fact that you need to follow Christ There's many here, as we said, that are willing to discuss with you how it is that you become a Christian. We've discussed why you should become a Christian. And let's turn to the Bible and point to Scriptures that help us to understand how it is that you become a Christian. Through faith, repentance, confession, and water baptism, and living a faithful life, you can have that hope that we've spoken of this evening. If there's anything we can do, we ask that you come as we stand and as we sing.